0: topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome to the Naturally
1: Nourished Podcast. You are joining us for episode 360, Addressing LPA, an Advanced Cardiovascular Marker for Risk of Heart Disease and Stroke. We're going to cover what this is, ideal range, how to naturally lower LP little a with diet and supplement support and ways to comprehensively reduce cardiovascular disease risk overall.
2: Yes. Y'all know we like to get nerdy over here on the naturally nourished podcast. And I honestly can't believe it's taken us over 350 episodes to do a deep dive on lipoprotein particle a or LP little a. We did cover this in some length in episode 284 on how to navigate a cardiometabolic panel plus interventions. So when we went through this lab, this is the blood test that we order on patients in the Naturally Nourished Clinic. It includes lipoprotein particle size, oxidation of LDL molecules, homocysteine, C-reactive protein, and it also includes LP little a. So if you're looking for access after you learn about the importance of this disease risk factor, you can absolutely order that direct at alimillerrd.com and we'll be including a code in today's episode to save $50 off. So something to take advantage of there. So 284, we navigated that panel and talked about interventions and how we would apply different supplement and diet strategy in clinic. In episode 296, we had another nerdy episode on heart health, on carnitine, arrhythmia, and heart failure. So this was a deep dive on the amino acid carnitine, and we included a lot of up-to-date research on post-heart attack, recurrence risk, and the influence of supporting that cardiovascular muscle itself. And then also, most recently in episode 331, we did an episode all on homocysteine and vascular health and included some blood pressure updates. So we will link those in all of the show notes if you get a taste of nerdy heart disease information in this episode and you want to make sure that you cover all of those other episodes as well. All right, let's just have a quick word from our sponsor for this episode, Noble, and then we'll get into today's topic. So Noble is an organs complex that is a powdered blend of high quality grass-fed beef organs from New Zealand. So including grass-fed beef liver, heart, kidney, pancreas, and spleen, supporting your nose-to-tail nutrition, and to provide you nutrient density in an easy application. We love the Noble Organs Complex as something that we can blend into smoothies, uh, you also can incorporate this into many savory recipes, including sauces. It does not have a pungent flavor profile. So for those of you that have heard for years from Becky and myself to get organs into your diet, or to incorporate ancestral blends and there's household members that are turning their nose up and not into maybe some of the metallic flavor profiles or maybe gameier profiles that you can get from organs. This is a great way to add this nutrient density into smoothies and shakes without them knowing uh, as far as flavor goes, but definitely they might see an improvement of energy and also experience optimal nutrition because we know that organs really can be nature's multivariate vitamin, providing a dense source of mineral, including active compounds like CoQ10 that can further support optimal heart health. We know that there is nutrient density in organs when we watch nature and we watch following predators and their prey, how always those vital organs are the first to go. And then the meat that's left behind is kind of left for the scavengers. Unfortunately, in the standard American diet, too many people are eating like scavengers themselves and losing out on this prize of nature's multivitamin. So make sure that you take a leap into trying organs in your diet and let noble be an easy way to do this. You can go on over to noble origins. That's N-O-B-L-E-O-R-I-G-I-N-S dot com slash discount slash Allie Miller RD, or just use the code Allie Miller RD. We'll also link this URL in our show notes. You're going to save on your order and also receive free shipping. And that lets them know that you learned about them through the naturally nourished podcast, which we always appreciate. Okay. Let's kick things off just giving a little bit of background. What
1: exactly is this LP little a or lipoprotein A and why are we
2: concerned if this value is elevated? Okay. So LP little a is formed by the binding of an apolipoprotein A to a low density lipoprotein like particle or an LDL like particle. And LP little a has the effect of promoting arteriosclerosis, inflammation, calcification, and thrombosis or clotting in the vessels. And this has been shown to be a strong independent risk factor for atherosclerotic plaque uh, and cardiovascular disease. It is different from other lipid components because the plasma concentration of LPA is mainly going to be regulated by the LPA gene. And this gene does encode for apolipoprotein A. Uh, And you'll read time and time again as you're looking for research on LP little a that it is less affected by external factors uh, or is primarily genetic. You'll see a lot of like naysaying if you're looking at research studies and you don't know how to search for the research studies appropriately. And what we'll find in today's episode is because of the pharmacological impact or lack thereof Mm -hmm. on this variable. Um, We will share with you guys today that there are significant influences with diet and supplement intervention to lower LP little a. And uh, this LP little a uh, value is ideally to be found below 30 milligrams over deciliters. Okay got it so that's something we can assess
1: easily in the blood um oftentimes i do have my clients if they're going in for a physical and you know their their doctor is concerned about their cholesterol eking up or whatever i also tell them please run this marker please Mm -hmm. run your hscrp please run your homocysteine because we want to get a more comprehensive read on their actual cardiovascular risk right And what's interesting is some of the main cholesterol medication, you know, uh, cholesterol lowering medications, they do have an impact on this value, but it's usually actually not very
2: favorable. Yes. And this is why I think it's kind of foo-food, if you will, on a quick Google search. Uh, We will find statistically significant impact on risk factor for coronary artery disease, Uh, but we do see that statins actually can increase LPA values by 15 to 20%, which would state unfavorable outcomes on cardiovascular disease with use of statins. So I will include a research study link that was looking at a population of 488 patients with acute coronary syndrome or ACS, and they underwent a coronary intervention. Uh, The LPA levels were measured at baseline and then one month after statin therapy, and they found that there were major adverse cardiovascular incidents. In fact, after statin therapy, the average level of LPA increased by 19.3% from the baseline. So in the upwards of that 15 to 20% threshold, we also saw that the LPA levels increased in 307 of the patients. Uh, and so this was you know 63-ish percent of the study population and that patients that had the increase of LP little a were at a higher risk for these major adverse cardiovascular events than those that did not have an increase 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 in their LP little A.
1: Okay. So increasing not only the number, but also their risk, um, which is really scary, right? Um, so you know, this could be one reason why the clinical studies just are not common with LP little A. Pharmacological interventions aren't regulating or they're not
2: getting the desired Outcomes, Right. So they're not funded. Mm -hmm. All studies, I think it's always important to understand that element of following the money and that even if it's done by the British College of Medicine or by Yale or Harvard, within these institutions of education or medicine, there's private funding. And a lot of times when you have to really quickly before you start a study, scan down to that conflict of interest. But even if it states there's no conflict of interest, you have to do a deeper level of investigative research to understand. And the three steps of separation, which allow the statement of no conflict of interest, but then understanding that there's shares in uh, stocks, etc and a lot of that tends to trickle down and to follow the money. Yes, totally.
1: Um, let's hit on even beyond statins, another type of drug which I think are becoming more and more popular. There's yes. rapatha or um, evolocumab. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but mm-hmm. that's the injectable monoclonal antibody, which, you know, I I hear from my patients who are on it. Well, it's not a statin, so it definitely is safer or is going to have, you know, less of an impact um, or less side effects, but designed also for the management of hyperlipidemia.
2: Yes. And so these injectable drugs uh, actually are PCSK9 inhibitors and um, basically they are, as you mentioned, a monoclonal antibody or type of protein that is designed to attach to the protein called PCSK9. This PCSK9 attaches to cholesterol receptors on the surface of liver cells, and it causes receptors to be absorbed. Uh, so less receptors, less cholesterol uptake, um, and then those receptors once absorbed are broken down inside of the cells. So, So reducing the amount of, uh, active engagement, if you will, with cholesterol molecules by reducing the receptor total. Um, so the evolucion, Coomab, um, or what I know mostly as Rapatha from clients that are using, uh, is a, as stated, fully human monoclonal antibody that inhibits the pro-protein convertase enzyme, um, which impacts that substilin kexin type 9. So that's that P-C-S-K-9 breakdown, which I'm not going to repeat again on this episode. I'm just going to refer to those letters. Uh, But what's really interesting, again, is that it states fully human monoclonal antibody. But then when I was searching on Rapatha and even the generic Evolocumab Uh, website on sourcing for the, because I was like, human antibody must be coming from stem cells. Is it coming from fetal stem cells or what's the source? Mm -hmm. Uh, I found that it's actually produced in Chinese hamster ovary cells by a a recumbent DNA technology. Um, And so pretty out there. I I think it's interesting, again, like you mentioned, Becky, I think that there's a lot of info out there on statin drugs and concern about that HMG-CoA reductase enzyme blocking effect on on brain health or hormone health um, or driving dementia or um, cognitive decline. Uh, but then some of those people would be easy to take something that is quite synthetically produced in recumbent DNA technology, uh, you know, getting more into kind of this level of science, uh, closer to something like this, you know, newer on the market injectable drug, um, of, you know, the COVID-19 quote unquote vaccine, or some of these types of things where we're really playing with antibody, we're playing with recumbent DNA. Yeah, these stunts have been around for <laughs> a yeah. while. I
1: don't know. Yeah. Um, but even these drugs may not be beneficial and, and can come with their own risks. Yeah. Right? So,
2: aside from creepily using the ovaries of a Chinese rat, <laughs> which comes with its own, uh, you know, again, the idea of the mechanism of these drugs is that they reduce the receptor uptake of LDL. Um, But we saw big kickback, actually, when I was preparing for today's episode on the outcomes for the largest clinical trial that actually put this drug on the market. So this is quite wild. Um, There was a reanalysis of mortality data from a large P. CSK 9 inhibitor cardiovascular outcomes trial that suggested that some of the deaths may have been misclassified, leading the authors to conclude that the potential harm from treatment is higher than initially reported. Uh, and so there has been a lot of pushback. It's the four-year trial was the name of the research study. And um, we see that the updated findings indicate that complete restoration of all clinical outcomes of the four-year trial is required to fully understand the mortality signal. Um, this four-year trial was published in the New England Journal of Medicine in 2017, right before these drugs came on the market, um, and it demonstrated that treatment with the Evolo. Coonmab, or the Repatha generic, reduced the study's primary endpoint. So there was a reduction in, um, so they said, cardiovascular death, Um, MI, uh, myocardial infarct, uh, stroke, hospitalization for unstable chest pain or coronary revascularization by 15% compared with the placebo. But yet there was no reduction in the risk of cardiovascular mortality. And actually we see that there was a higher amount, 251 compared to 240 cardiovascular deaths when comparing the medication at 251 and 240 with the placebo. Okay, so more <laughs> deaths in the treatment group. Not a good thing. Thing. Not a good look. Yeah. No, not Um, at all. And then there's known side effects, and they'll actually call these mild side effects. Uh, but they can include anything from runny nose and chronic sore throat to upper respiratory infection, um, including uh flu susceptibility and viral back pain and persistent cough can be seen, urinary tract infection, headaches pain in bones, ligaments, nerves, and tendons. So we see that one comparable to like the statin, Mm -hmm. um, where we see like tendonitis and pain to be something that's often going to impact the tolerance of the dosage, Uh, dizziness, diarrhea, swelling in the intestines and stomach, uh, which can cause abdominal cramping at notes, and then injection site reactions, muscle pain, and then even influence that's unfavorable in blood sugar imbalance driving diabetic risk factor, which would be a comorbidity increasing your risk of heart disease or stroke. And again, all of those risk factors not coming with a reduction of overall
1: cardiovascular mortality seems like wouldn't be worth taking anything, right? That's (laughs) what my brain says, but... (laughs) Okay. Interesting. All right. Um, So when we're talking um, LP little a, um, if we're using more of a functional medicine approach, we'd want to look at just multiple areas of impact. Right. Um, so let's get into these guys, um, and maybe some of the natural inhibitors. So there are natural things we can do to inhibit that PCSK nine, right?
2: Yes. And I think that that's a novel approach. You know, we used to really in the functional medicine world with the world of dyslipidemia or imbalanced cholesterol levels, really just push plant sterol stanols, uh, which are compounds that structurally compete with that steroidal shape, if you will, of cholesterol. Uh, and, you know, a lot of the research on sterols and stanols, unfortunately, is comparison of like the Benefiber tub margarine. <laughs> and like, I'm sure you remember from like the mid nineties where it had the heart on there with the check, um, you know, better for your cholesterol, but that's how they actually made it to be like a functional food, if you will. Of course, bathed in oxidized inflammatory vegetable oils, which is not a good look or approach for heart health. So I kind of break down three approaches for addressing LP little A specifically. And one of them is using natural inhibitors of PCSK9. Uh, And the idea is that when you reduce the receptor uptake of LDL, you're also reducing the receptor uptake of LPA and influencing that mechanism of action. So that's interesting and, and a novel approach there. We can sequester excess circulating lipids and that would include LPA Based compounds by driving bile, uh, supporting the liver in that conjugation or gathering of the uh, passing through in our blood of these compounds that we would like to lower. So increasing fiber in our diet as a bind, and then the third approach I really look at is thinking of the liver as a gland itself and really nourishing the liver to regulate the production of your, L, your LP, little A, which again, we talked about that connection of the PSK9 on your hepatocytes or your liver cells, um, and also noting that the liver makes cholesterol. Uh, and so the liver also is the primary detoxifying gland. So really supporting the liver is kind of my third area of approach or bucket to scoop into for comprehensive support.
1: Okay. Um, let's start off with these natural inhibitors of PCSK9.
2: Yes, so there was a article in the Journal of Nutrients that came out in 2020 in May that I'll link in today's episode. And it breaks down 10 different natural compounds and how they influence this PCSK9 expression. So without all of those side effects of rapatha or its generic, you can get a multitude of benefits likely working with some of these natural compounds, which could lower that LP little a, but maybe also provide us antioxidant and maybe also reduce muscle aches and have some of the counterpart influence of digestive stress and other side effects of the pharmacological drug. Sure. Um, so starting
1: with berberine, uh, which... You know we talked about recently in our um
2: ozempic alternative um episode yes. as well so this seems to be coming up a lot lately yes I, I mean i feel like we need to probably do a flash sale on berberine coming up or something to highlight <laughs> this superstar uh really i think berberine boost is kind of our unsung hero in the supplement line where it gets lost in our beat the bloat cleanse But it's such a powerhouse in the world of cardiometabolic health, both for blood sugar impact as well as lipid management. And that's what we speak to a lot. You know, we've talked about that study that compares berberine to metformin, which is kind of a first line of action diabetic drug, and that it had equal efficacy in blood sugar lowering, but it actually had improved lipid outcomes. It lowered the LDL and increased the HDL, whereas metformin doesn't have that mechanism. Uh, We know specific to this impact on LP Little A that doing two berberine boost twice daily or four total tablets daily. Can specifically facilitate the stabilization of our LDL receptor mRNA. Um, So we've seen that berberine in an effective dosage can actually influence receptor function and that DNA coding of the function itself. It can inhibit our liver cells um, on the nuclear factor one alpha protein. And that in itself is going to decrease the PCSK9 expression. So kind of downplaying that production factory. And we also see that we can see a promoted expression of LDL receptors, which limits its breakdown and results in more significant clearance of or lowering of LDL. Um, and we also see this as an impact on LP little a values. There was, in fact, a study specifically on berberine called Berberine the Ins and Outs of a Nature Made PCSK9 Inhibitor. Uh, and that study also had very compelling outcomes. On on favorable influence on reducing cardiovascular incident. Okay. Um, and dosage. Um, let's talk dosage of our berberine boost if we were to use that. Yeah. So we would want to use the two tablets twice daily. So you're looking for about a gram of berberine per day to yield effective outcomes. Okay.
1: Um, and then I see hemp seed um, as kind of a foodist medicine option that we could add in.
2: Yeah, so I think that a goal of two tablespoons daily of hemp seed would be a beautiful add-in to your yogurt, your smoothie bowl, maybe maybe even topped on chocolate bark or thrown into a like nut-based granola blend. We've seen that hemp seed peptides can actually exert a hypocholesterolemic activity by a statin-like mechanism. Of course, but not completely blocking or inhibiting that pathway. So there is an influence on that HMG CoA reductase enzyme pathway without completely inhibiting it. Uh, so you won't have the side effects of the statin drugs, but we'll see that Lp little a influenced. And again, counteracting in the statin drugs, which actually increase that Lp little a. Yes. Uh, I used to put those in my smoothies all the time. Maybe I'll start doing it again. I know. Sometimes they're, they're overlooked. Uh, and you know, we'll talk about other seeds like flax seed today and and upping your fiber, of course, for this secondary goal of this binding, what's circulating. Uh, but the hemp specific, uh, it was looking at the mechanism of, of the plant itself, the, the cannabis sativa, um, and that impact on that hypocholesterolemic activity. Super interesting. Yeah. All right. And then polyphenols. So herb seasoning spices
1: tea these high antioxidant plant derived compounds
2: yes so getting these these secondary metabolites that we see in our fruits our vegetables our nuts our seeds our herbs spices stems flowers tea red wine uh, this is a really great way to influence by flavonoid lignans still beans and other uh, flavanol like compounds such as terpenes, tannins, you name it. Um, we've seen in many epidemiological studies as well as clinical trials effects and benefits for cardiovascular health with polyphenols, and there's multiple mechanisms of action. We know that there's plasma LDL lowering activity, and also that a lot of these molecules will actually upregulate that LDL receptor at the hepatic surface which is not as fancy talk of basically saying a PCSK9 impact. Mm -hmm. Um, And so lovely to get that full web, if you will, of antioxidants. Uh, I'm generally, when I see someone with an elevated oxidized LDL or an elevated LP little a, if they're already eating a clean keto or Mediterranean whole food version of a keto approach, I'm always adding tea to their protocol. So, you know, I'm looking at two to three cups of tea daily. I like to look for anything from an oolong to a green tea to rooibos, really antioxidant rich. Um, And this is a really great way to bump up that ORAC score as a passive beverage that's also calorie-free and does not have an unfavorable, but actually has a favorable impact on blood sugar response. So we're not breaking our fast with tea. We're not uh, disrupting blood sugar balance. We're actually seeing some insulin sensitivity when we sip on tea, uh, which can further support weight loss goals and definitely can have this impact of LP little a lowering. Yes, love it. Um, And then adding on, you know, additional
1: antioxidant support using our multi-defense as a multivitamin. This is going to have a polyphenol antioxidant blend that helps to lower that oxidative stress and oxidized LDL as well.
2: Yep. And that'll have resveratrol, which we'll talk about in a moment. It even has EGCG from green tea, which has its own independent benefits. So if you aren't yet taking a multivitamin or you're taking just a standardized multivitamin that maybe has methylated B vitamins and chelated minerals, those are all always things we look for. Our multi-defense takes that next level by adding beyond the multi, the other half of it, defense, is coming from the high ORAC or um, antioxidant boost that defends our cells from oxidative stress. So we're getting all of those phyto compounds into a multivitamin with our multi-defense. Yes.
1: Okay. And then you mentioned green tea has its own um, impact as well. So of that tea that we're recommending, making a good amount of it green. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I mean, we've seen that even just six weeks of green tea can lower impact of LDL by upwards of 5%. Uh, we see that there's reduced secretion of PCSK9 in the hepatic cells that were actually directly treated with EGCG compounds. Um, And this was seen after just three year three, excuse me, hours of consumption. Uh, And so we do know that there's that mechanism specific on the PCSK9, which would have that LP little a lowering effect as well as total LDL lowering effect. Okay. And that would also say matcha, remember, is in that team and you can get, you know, 10 times the amount of the EGCG in matcha. So it might be worth getting back to that ritual. If you fell off of that health craze trend. Totally. All
1: right. And then quercetin would be another compound that we want to look at for addressing LP little a.
2: Yes. um, We've seen actually that there can be upwards of a 30 to 35% reduction in PCSK9 secretion with the use of quercetin. Uh, And we look at quercetin's impact not only on hepatic cells, but actually going beyond just that PCSK9 activity into how our foam cells uh, function, which Foam cells are when our macrophages or our white blood cells have engulfed oxidized LDL and then start to drive further into the atherosclerotic plaque formation or that, that plaque building effect on a vascular level. So there is a direct anti-atherogenic and LDL cholesterol independent effect of quercetin. And um, that mechanism, one of them within there is reducing inflammation in the macrophages, modulating cholesterol metabolism, and impacting that PCSK9 pathway. Okay. And then for
1: quercetin supplementation, um, I'd bring in Bio C plus and mm-hmm. Um and those two supplements. You know, vitamin C has its own kind of independent um, action on um, LP little A, and then so does Inflamase, right? Yeah. Um, we think of that as kind of going in and, and scavenging, if you will, any errant particles in the body, so it can help to kind of clean up excessive LDL and bring down that LP little a.
2: Yeah. In fact, Inflamazime was always my go-to intervention when I saw LP little a elevated because those proteolytic enzymes, like you mentioned, Becky, you know, um, we think of proteolytic enzymes reducing fibroids or tissue buildup or helping, uh, after injury or surgical, um, impact to ensure that there's supple tissue, but those proteolytic enzymes also, like you said, can break down that buildup. Um, And so that's always been kind of my number one foot on the gas. And what's lovely is our inflamazime also has a lot of these Mm -hmm. polyphenols. So there's Mm -hmm. actually resveratrol, there's boswellia, um, and there's also going to be ginger in there. So you're getting a lot of the anti-inflammatory, but also PCSK9 influencing polyphenols plant compounds in that formula as well. So you know, especially if you have an LP little a, that is above 50. I said earlier that the goal is for it to be under 30. If the value is over 50, which would be a more substantial risk factor, we'd want to be at six inflammazyme daily. So like two at rise, two midday, two at bed. If you miss your midday, then you can do three at rise, three at bed. But we do want to take that Inflamazime separated from meals. Uh, It's not a digestive enzyme. a proteolytic enzyme. So we want to actually break down tissue and take that in a non-fed time. And then that Bio-C plus, a dosage of you know really two daily um, would be ample delivery to get that 600 milligrams per capsule of vitamin C, but also getting that quercetin compound. Um, And then you mentioned resveratrol. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yes. So I think we've seen studies now for decades on the influence of red wine polyphenols and heart health. And we know that there's multiple mechanisms here as well. So we can actually see a suppressed secretion of the apolipoprotein B100. Uh, We can also see upregulated LDL receptor expression. And um, we can see that this polyphenol of resveratrol can also actually induce the transcription of the LDL receptor on a genetic level in our liver cells, uh, and that it further has an influence even on the AMPK-mediated signaling pathway, which we didn't mention in today's episode, but that's another mechanism of our berberine um, and how we often connect the berberine function on glucose lowering effects independent of it being an oral hypoglycemic agent. So resveratrol has that influence on LDL receptor mRNA levels. So actually a genetic influence. And then it has that pcsk9 influence as well and we even see benefits of resveratrol and its uh, precursor compound which is called polydatin uh, on favorable outcomes for overall liver health okay so red wine
1: would be in the mix Um, you mentioned uh, the multi-defense would be a good source as well
2: yes definitely
1: okay And then um, honey. So I'm seeing a few of these things that could like pair together, putting honey in our tea, for example. Yes,
2: yes, no doubt. Uh, And hemp seed, all of that could go in a smoothie, et cetera. Uh, So honey actually has a flavanone uh, called... Pinostrobin, and this is found uh, in honey, as well as a couple other plants out there. And it's been studied with its respect on its influence of PCSK9. Uh, It was actually used in a dose-dependent reduction of mRNA and protein expression of the PCSK9, and it was able to reduce catalytic activity, resulting in increased LDL receptor expression and LDL uptake by cells. Big picture, all of these things basically on a receptor level have the ability to ensure that there's less LDL circulating in our vessels so that there's less opportunity for those molecules to become oxidized and then converted into plaque. Okay. Um, And then there are specific nutrients beyond some
1: of these plant compounds that have an impact directly on lowering LP little a. So let's talk about a couple of these here. I think of niacin is the big one.
2: Yes, niacin and vitamin C. So we already hit vitamin C for certain. Niacin is going to be B3. uh, And so this B vitamin plays a big role in vasodilation and also in influence of lipid circulation so we are looking at extended release niacin as a direct option to decrease elevated LPA levels Um, we can see efficacy upwards of 20 to 30 percent however I will say that niacin can be poorly tolerated due to the flushing effect and with that flushing is where we get the clearance um and so you know if we think of flushing is vasodilation individuals might feel a heat like a body temp increase itching could be occurring during a flush uh, but that flush is actually like the vessels um think of like the cap off the vessels and like shooting everything out and basically like a reset um on our circulatory system and so we can see a quite a rapid reduction 20 to 30 percent pretty remarkable with niacin you could start with our b complex which has more than an ample dosage of niacin to actually still have some favorable impact on ldl lowering hdl increasing and this lpa lowering effect especially if the B-complex is added on top of our multi-defense because that's going to further support getting into that ideal elevated range. But if really looking at a targeted effect, we might want to look at a product called Niatane, um, this is offered by metagenics we can link that from our Amazon store and um, this is one that you could definitely use as an intervention maybe taking once or twice a week versus every day of the week and seeing how that would impact levels at when retested at 12 weeks
1: yeah and if we're doing the the niacin maybe better to do it like in the evening time most or, definitely you know you don't have an important meeting or a call where it's all of a sudden going to kick in and we'll see that flushing or um we might even you know get some impact overnight while we're sleeping and not be disturbed as much by it. yes um so like at dinner or you know afterward is usually where i recommend doing the extended release if niason. you
2: sleep naked with a fan
1: on yeah high. There, you go. <laughs> there you go okay um so i think that hits a lot of angles in this area of PCSK9 pathways. Um, so I think choosing, you know, two to three of those to incorporate daily and certainly getting on some of the supplement recommendations if you do have an elevated LP little a. Um, let's talk about the next area of focus, which is to sequester these excess circulating lipids and LP little a compounds with these bile driving foods and fiber.
2: Yes, so again, when we're looking to lower things in the blood, one way to do it is to increase the vascular flow, which is the niacin approach. The other way is to bind the excess circulating compounds. So you know, as I mentioned before, we used to talk plant sterile stanols and fiber is really the only approach. I think that maybe starting with more of these novel compounds on the polyphenol world might be more efficacious, but we still don't want to forget about the role of fiber in adding as a binder and a detoxifier or its ability to pull and extract excess circulating LDL And excess circulating LP little a, so legumes would, for instance, be a really reasonable thing to add into the diet. We can see a reduction of total LDL by 20 to 30 percent. And again, as I'm referencing some of these, um, you know, not all studies will identify the LP little a, but we would make the assumption that we should see some reduction if we're lowering in a bind. Um, Because again, anything that isn't blocking that HMG-CoA reductase pathway, which is a building block, but is reducing based on PCSK9 or a bind is going to reduce also that LP little a. Mm -hmm. Um, Because again, it's pulling from what's circulating. So different mechanism there. Um, So legumes can have an impact 20 to 30%. So half cup of beans would be appropriate daily if you can incorporate that with fat And protein. And if you're doing a ketogenic approach to eating, you might see what your metabolic flexibility is. It might be that you use a third cup with two different meals split out, and that you know, each of those meals has six to eight ounces of protein, and you're getting quality fats in your avocado and your olive oil, etc. And then, you know, maybe you get that remaining third cup of legume in like a dip form, uh, which could be hummus, for example, or like my rosemary white bean dip, which has olive oil and garlic and rosemary has its own antioxidant support as well. But beans would be a great way to kind of get that uh, detox support in the bind. And then i'm thinking maybe a bean
1: salad um like the mediterranean chickpea salad that's a great kind of throwback recipe to the og cookbook um that could be incorporated and that keeps really well so you could make a big batch and then you know distribute that quarter cup to a half cup over a whole bunch of leafy greens with the protein on the side. And that could work really, really
2: nicely to get that half cup goal. Yeah. Easy is just dumping a can of skipjack on there and then you get a nice yeah, boost of omega threes and that flavor profile works really well with that briny olive marinade. Totally. Um, and then I'm thinking adding
1: phytofiber mm-hmm. on, um, as you know, a, a regular supplement protocol. Um, so maybe adding one to two teaspoons into, smoothie or other beverage just on a daily basis to make sure we're hitting our fiber goals
2: yes this is one that definitely i'll throw at individuals if they have an elevated total ldl as well as lpa and we do see some significant lowering effects and then other whole food based fibers so the phytofiber has various whole food ingredients so it has psyllium husk in there it has carrot pectin it has apple fiber uh, flax in there Um, so all of these come together in that supplemental form for ease and we can see clinical effects with two teaspoons daily so pretty cool tool there and then if looking at whole food uh, forms in the diet flax seed chia seed would be lovely uh i've recently been really liking these top seeds uh maybe we can link these in the amazon store the black label i will call out because top seeds this is with a z uh has a couple flavors that use cornstarch yeah yeah but the black label uh product which we'll link um is the one that is clean and i think it's just seven or nine seeds it's a lot airier than the Dr. Flackers, which are the flax seed crackers that I always recommended that were kind of more bird seedy and would mm-hmm. get like stuck in your teeth mm-hmm. and gummy. Um, these ones are a really nice crunch, and uh, I love them with like a charcuterie plate. Uh, so, again, this something like a charcuterie plate with meat and cheese, I don't have a problem with that. But often when we go keto and we're focusing on protein and fats, fiber does fall to the wayside. And so adding strategic fibers and maybe some antioxidants um, onto that board, maybe even some honeycomb with some fresh herbs uh, and maybe, you know, getting in some berries, for instance, would be great ways to kind of create a little bit more balance in that type of application. Sure. Um, and then chia seeds, I think adding in like a chia
1: pudding yeah. a few times a week or adding them to a smoothie or just making like a simple chia pudding where you stir it into yogurt along with some berries and maybe a little squeeze of honey and hey, put your green tea on the side and you've got a whole bunch of, of, well, we have that, uh,
2: that matcha right. chia seeds right. recipe yeah, that we yeah. can link from yeah, the blog. Yeah. I'm yeah. thinking of that one in particular. mm mm-hmm. And then I think of also in the world of fiber, glucomannan. So the cognac root, uh, any of those, you know, carb-free noodle products like miracle noodle to do like a fall with uh, bone broth would be a great option there. Uh, We talked about that in our chrononutrition episode and kind of turning that fasting into maybe a little bit more satiety. And then leafy greens, always one of my favorite guidelines as a minimum intake of two to three cups of leafy greens. So getting a variety of kale, chard, spinach, uh, combo of raw and cooked because you'll get different impact of insoluble versus soluble fiber when it's raw versus cooked. Uh, But this is going to be a great way to ensure that you're getting that healthy bind. Okay. Um, and then the last
1: approach here is beyond, you know, bile flow and sequestering lipids. We also want to nourish the liver to regulate the production gland, um, and aid in detox of these excess circulating lipids, right?
2: Yes. So, you know, big picture here, we're looking not only for the fiber to bind, but also to support the liver in its process. So Flowing bile out of the liver is a great way to provide some of that gelling bind influence. And we can do that with an apple cider vinegar shooter. Uh, Stay tuned. We'll have a great episode all about the health benefits of apple cider vinegar coming up in a couple weeks. Uh, But right now, if you're looking to get started, just doing like two tablespoons of a raw, unfiltered apple cider vinegar with one to two tablespoons of water and shooting that back is going to create active enzyme and probiotic support, uh, also hydrochloric acid, but it will also give you a nice drive of biliary impact. Um, And so you're going to get bile production and bile flow, and that's going to help in the clearing and support the gland of the liver overall. I also think in supporting the liver, consuming liver, you know, like supports like. So very fitting with today's podcast sponsor, using that noble origins in a smoothie would be a great way to give the liver the nutrients it needs, like vitamin A, for instance, and again, a lot of that mineral richness. And then, I think on a supplement level or lifestyle meats supplement level, using our Reset, Restore, Renew detox packs, which have compounds like silymarin, which is in milk thistle, uh, there is beetroot and artichoke, a whole suite of bile drivers for liver gallbladder support. There's phase one compounds that aid in the activation of toxins and also in antioxidant protection. And then there's phase two sulfur containing amino acids that aid in in the encapsulation and excretion of toxins and although we use the word toxins and we're often thinking of like volatile organic compounds in our paint and in our um petroleum industry chemicals, et cetera, in our hair dye, in our nails, our cosmetics, we also, beyond toxins, when we're looking at detox support, we can detox the excess circulating compounds in the body. And that would, again, include excess estrogen, if we're talking about estrogen dominance, or that would include excess LDL, if we're talking about high levels of LDL and and LDL receptor function needing support, or in this case, high levels of LP little a can also be cleared by doing our 10-day detox and regularly keeping in those Restore Renewed Detox packs. So I would have these individuals that have known elevated levels do the 10-day detox as a jump-in activation point and then um, would keep them on one to two packs daily. Okay, so daily use. So like RISE and rest, depending on probably how high that number is, yeah? Yes, for sure. And then when we think of what's unique in my 10-day detox and those detox packs is that a lot of these nutrients work in synergy to support glutathione. And, um, you know, you can get your glutathione stores up by having some of these polyphenols and antioxidants, but you also could go right to the source with our cellular antiox, which is a combination of NAC or N-acetylcysteine and S-acetylated glutathione, as well as B6, which aids in the activation of building. NAC into more glutathione. And it is interesting. I'll link a up-to-date study that looked at glutathione pool and reserves in individuals. And those that had optimal glutathione stores had, of course, lower oxidative stress in their body. They also had lower disease state, including occlusion of the coronary arteries, hypertensive heart diseases, ischemia and reperfusion, arterial hypertension, myocardial infarction, and overall heart failure. So again, keeping the antioxidant capacity optimized is super key to keep heart health in check. Yes. Um, And then speaking of antioxidants, CoQ10
1: would also be a big one uh, that we've seen some pretty promising research
2: on as well in terms of lowering LP little a. Yes. In fact, CoQ10 has quite a significant impact directly on serum levels of lipoprotein A. We've seen reductions of 31% Uh, compared to 8.2% with placebo in a randomized, double-blind, placebo-controlled trial. So quite compelling there. And then not to mention, when we look at some of these nutrients like CoQ10, uh, that it also has been shown to reduce chest pain, also shown to correct arrhythmia, reduce palpitations. So you're getting multiple mechanisms of this unique antioxidant. And then I also think of carnitine here
1: in the world of heart health in general, um, but we have seen some favorable impact on that LP little a as well.
2: Yes. And you know, carnitine, like I mentioned, we have that deep dive episode that we can link in the show notes, but I will link also this study looked at two grams a day, which is the amount of L-carnitine in a dosage of our boost and burn supplement. And it looked at a significant reduction of LP little a, uh, which resulted in a return to cardiovascular risk parameters back into the normal range. So pretty compelling there. And then again, as we dig into that deep dive episode on carnitine, so many benefits and a lot of compelling literature, especially for those that had had a cardiac incident of less recurrence when they're supplementing with that L-carnitine. So really important to make sure that that boost and burn is maybe in a listening uh, ear's parents. Uh, I think of, you know, like dads that have had Heart disease or procedures um, definitely would be something that we'd want to make sure is in that baseline approach to optimal supplementation. Yes, and
1: I think that's where our heart health
2: bundle comes in. That
1: that's the one you can be like, "Here you go, Dad," or "Here you go, Grandpa," or whatever, um, or you know, anyone in the family with cardiovascular disease history
2: or risk, right? Yes. So that has four different supplements in it. It has our omega-3 fish oil, EPA, DHA extra, which actually we've seen that fish oil can reduce LP little a upwards of 14%. So you're getting that added benefit. Um, Not to mention that the omega-3s also lower triglycerides. So another independent risk factor and support vascular elasticity. So less rigidity and more fluidity in our vessels means less opportunity. For vascular injury. So, omega 3s for sure are an essential if we're talking about heart disease prevention. Uh, The Heart Health Bundle includes our EPA DHA Extra, our CoQ10 complex our methyl complete, which is our formula to regulate homocysteine values, which is that marker of vascular rigidity. And then it includes the fourth supplement is that boost and burn with that two gram dosage of L-carnitine. So a really great uh, bundle that we've curated for you. And all of our bundles have 18% off built in uh, to the pricing structure there. All right, let's talk about maybe a little bit of food as medicine
1: and what we would do to kind of put all this together.
2: Yes. So big picture, we're really looking at an approach to ketosis because ketosis can move fat out of the body as long as you're not overfeeding in fat. So again, a nutritionally balanced approach to keto that still has phyto compounds. So our more food as medicine or Mediterranean-like approach to keto, where fat is going to be moderate, focusing on monounsaturated sources, as well as qualitative saturated sources, but getting an abundance of the plant antioxidants in the phyto compounds from herbs, seasoning, spices, dips, salads, is going to be a great way to bring down LPA. Um, In fact, we had a participant in our 12 week virtual keto program whose LPA dropped from 92 to 66 in just one year's time and is continuing to trend down now seeing it in the 40s once layering in that heart health bundle. Awesome. That's, I mean, just keto
1: alone plus a little bit of the supplementation we talked about. That's amazing. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and then I think fasting, um, could be a really appropriate intervention here too, right?
2: Yeah. And I think that this would be dependent on the individual. So if you're a listener who has that elevated LP little a, and you are of an ideal body fat and you're maybe under eating, uh, maybe you need more consistent fuel. Maybe you need to reduce your fasting windows so that your body is feeling safe And you're actually regulating your lipids with more binding foods. So like getting in two meals and a smoothie, which maybe that smoothie has the hemp seed and the phytofiber in there as an approach. And that could still be in like an eight to 10 hour eating window. So you'd still be fasting somewhere between 14 to 16 hours. Um, Whereas someone on the other end of the spectrum, maybe who has excessive body fat we need to get deeper into their body's deep freeze we need to restrict their amount of fat grams so maybe we listen to the leptin resistance podcast episode that we put out recently and that individual might want to fast more like a 16 to 18 hour window so that they're not overfed and circulating more dietary fat And that they have the opportunity to get into their body fat reserves. So, you know, again, some listeners I've seen, especially with the familial or genetic impact on LPA, if you are someone that this is like your one health area that isn't improving and everything else looks good, maybe you need to fast a little less and focus more on the fiber if fiber has fallen out of your diet. Yep. That makes sense. Just depends
1: where you're starting, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. Um. Let's recap maybe some of these supplement interventions before we let everybody go for today, just because I think we threw a lot out there.
2: Yeah, I think that the the baseline as far as LP little a interventions would include CoQ10 at a minimum of 100, upwards of 200 milligrams daily, that berberine boost at the two tablets twice daily, and that could be taken with food, the inflamazime, which is that protein biolytic enzyme formula taken, uh, without food, which could be at that, you know, six to eight capsules per day, incorporating the detox packs and, uh, doing a 10 day detox. So at least having a detox pack at rise or at bed using that bio C plus one twice daily, and then the EPA DHA extra at two to three capsules daily and starting your day off with a, apple cider vinegar shooter followed by a teaspoon of boost and burn uh, would be a really great way to keep the cardiovascular surgeon away if you will
1: you can also use the code i know we mentioned the cardiometabolic panel um, the code cmp50 i will put that in the show notes to save $50 off that cardiometabolic panel. If you are someone who has maybe some family concerns of cardiovascular risk, or you've just never had your LP little a assessed, that would be a really good way to check that as well as several other markers of cardiovascular risk, and then see where we can modify.
2: And I would add that I work with patients all the time that are trying to debate or work in coordination or maybe stand up for themselves with their general practitioners who are continuing to recommend or threaten statin drugs and you know again knowing that that is a kind of non-debatable fact that statin drugs in fact increase lp little a that can be another leverage or messaging or conversational point of if you know your total cholesterol is 232 and that ldl is 141 and they're saying oh we don't like these values we want to see you lower your lipids but yet if your lp little a is up you could say well i'm going to lower these lipids in a different way because that drug could further increase this risk factor Mm -hmm. which i don't want to see continuing to elevate and now from today's episode you know the natural compounds that you can use to get results and a safe application at that yes
1: All right, so if you've loved today's episode, go ahead and leave us a five-star review wherever you listen and be sure to share this episode with a friend or a loved one who might benefit.
0: Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast. Visit our blog at allymillerrd.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans